Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Madeline Shepley, and I'm your host for the Shine Bright Like the Firmament podcast. And with me this morning, I have Kaysen Tucker-Raymer. How are you, Kaysen? I am doing great. How are you? <laughs> Not too bad myself, just enjoying this nice, sunny February day outside yeah. my window. Yeah, it's really warm. It's strangely warm, but I'm okay with it. I'm not complaining. Yeah. I mean, I wish there had been a little bit more snow on the ground this winter, because... Yeah. It felt kind of bare, but I did at least get snow on my birthday, so I can't complain too hard. Okay, good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I know. It's been strange. I keep thinking, well, it's probably going to snow at some point, and maybe this just means we're getting snow in March, which I know, I I mean, I don't want that either, honestly, but... (laughs) It just seems like it should happen at some point and I'm not like, I don't know if it's going to stay warm or what's going to happen. Yeah, my parents always say that you can't count out winter in the Midwest until April because they've experienced it snowing in April before. And I'm like, that honestly sounds like a very Midwestern thing. Yes. Yeah, it totally is. And I was actually even thinking it snows sometimes in April. It can snow through till like the end of like, I feel like April 20th ish. If it doesn't, (laughs) you know, so I'm like, yeah, it happens. It doesn't happen every year, but it happens. Watch Uh, there be snow snow on Easter because I know Easter is in like the beginning of April or something like that. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. It's just hit and miss. We just never know. We're getting, are you not, are you from here in Madeline? I, well, I'm from, do you know where Valparaiso is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm from Valparaiso. Okay. So you probably got a lot of snow there. Oh yeah. Like <laughs> we, maybe not as much as like Buffalo, New York, but like, yeah, we kind of have a little bit of that Buffalo, New York effect where yeah once or twice a year we get hit with a foot or two of snow yeah and then we have snow days which is great yes like real snow days yeah totally. oh yeah and then we would go like sl- ironically enough there's like a tall enough hill for that mm-hmm. kind of within walking distance of my house but we would never go there instead <sighs> we would g- there's this golf course called forest park near my home parish mm-hmm. and we would always go there instead okay that was the place to go sledding yeah It was. I went there so many times when I was little. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. I know. I laugh because I grew up in Muncie. I'm from Muncie. So wait, (laughs) so you're a mocal too? I am. Yeah, I was like, I I was like, I'm listening to that. Yes, I am a mocal. I've never heard that either. So like that is new. (laughs) We didn't know that we were moguls, but apparently I didn't know what a mocal was until I (laughs) moved to Muncie. So that makes three of us. Yeah, that is so funny. Yeah. So yeah, I grew up in Muncie. So it's obviously very flat. There's not very many hills. um, You know, you have to find you have to find them, right? And so like we had this dirt mound in this <laughs> lot next to our house that we grew up in. And that's where we, we would sled on this, like down this dirt hill. Like, we were like oh, it's such a hill. Like but as a kid, you made it, it seem like it was the hill, but it was just a mound of dirt. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of like how my parents' yard is because the top of our house is situated on a small hill. Yeah. And it's just big enough that when me and my brother were... I don't know. We were in like middle school, Mm -hmm. but we weren't supposed to go sledding in our side yard. We have this like copes of trees. And then if you walk around the house, we have this lower deck Uh and we weren't supposed to go sledding there because there was like drainage pipe there. Uh And my parents were like, you're going to break the drainage pipe if you go. And then also we, there was kind of like a drop off from like the hill onto the lower deck, which Uh would kind of go off to get some air. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's actually terrifying. <laughs> it's, not, it's maybe like a foot at best. Okay, so it's not that high. Okay, okay. Because yeah. we, where I live now, so we live now, I live in Bloomington. So we moved to Bloomington in 2020. The real Bloomington? The real, well, oh, I mean, sorry, Bloomington, Indiana. I don't know you if that's love Blo- Yes. <laughs> 
That is 100% the real Bloomington, and I will die on that hill. Do what? I will die on that hill. (laughs) Because I went to school at IU. Oh, you did? Okay, I did my undergrad at IU as well, so that's funny. Wait, we're both Hoosiers, and Alex didn't tell me that? No. Cool. Oh. (laughs) No. Yeah. Yeah, so I, yeah, I went to IU. So that is my my undergrad. Yeah, and I love Bloomington, and we love living here. I didn't think I was going to live here as an adult. Never yeah. thought that we were going to like, it didn't seem like we we're ever going to leave Muncie, which was fine with me because it was, I mean, it was home, you know, yeah. but yeah, then we moved here and then we have a very hilly yard and we have um, a deck, you know, like a walkout basement. I love that. So yeah. So it's got like, we have a retention wall. <laughs> so that's what I mean. I'm imagining like the kids going off of that retention wall where it's like 10 <laughs> feet high. It's like, oh gosh, like we're terrible. not that crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm like, oh, that can't happen. But um, but yes, yeah, so we do have drainage pipes. Like I'm just like all the water has to flow away from the house, you know. So I'm like, yeah, there is that, but we still love the sled because it's like buried enough. Yeah. That usually you can't see the pipe. And if you could see it, then yeah, we wouldn't let them sled on it, I guess. But yeah, but it ha- we haven't had really enough snow. Yeah. Sled, but yeah. That's the sad part about Bloomington is it doesn't nearly get as much snow as yeah. Valpo yeah. or Honestly, even Muncie. Yeah, no, no, it's not. Yeah, it's like um, below I-70. That's what they say is like where it doesn't snow as much. Yeah. Which since you live in, so I was, the other person I was talking to that knows you is the small Dinos. And Mm -hmm. that's how I knew you were in Bloomington because last time I saw her, Melissa in particular mentioned that to me and I was like, whoa. Yeah. (laughs) So I was wondering how how long have you been in Bloomington? I well, wonder, um, sorry, because because I, I wonder if we were there at the same time but didn't know it. Oh gosh, I mean I'm pretty old. <laughs> well, or, okay, we were obviously. I just not... moved to 2020, but like when I was a student. So anyway, yeah, but yeah, I was old. I, yeah. So when I was a student, we definitely weren't there. I'm sure. <laughs> oh yeah, because I didn't really have IU on my radar till high school. Yeah. But we might have been, we might have just either like just barely missed each other or overlapped for a couple of months. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, we, because well, and it was the pandemic. So I, that was what things got weird. obviously you're not wrong I (laughs) see I graduated from IU in 2020 so like I got maybe like half of my final semester as normal and then the other half was like just chaos yeah it was for everyone yeah I teach in an online program now at Ball State but yeah even for us things it was weird like everything was just weird so yeah no so we moved in 2020 so it was but it wasn't until like May so probably right around like graduation time yeah Um, so yeah it could have been there but then like I don't think we could like we were just like live streaming mass we didn't mm-hmm. really get out much I mean we took the, we went out like to like walks and like hikes and things like that because you couldn't even go as one there. does in Bloomington yes and yes and of course you know love, love it yeah and all the like got all the carry out like got all the food I think we gained a lot of COVID weight <laughs> <laughs> when we moved you know all of it were just like oh that was great Bloomington thing so yeah I was happy to get to like share that with my family and yeah and, people need to know about about Bloomington oh. it is a like a diamond in the rough because yeah. it's just in such a beautiful part of the state that I didn't know existed for a long time yeah you wouldn't I mean you wouldn't like yeah unless you were gonna go to IU like <laughs> there's no reason really 
you don't know all these things are down here but then now like we've taken like southern indiana like vacations like so we did like all the caves and i should say all the caves but many caves we've been to many caves um, mm-hmm. yeah just visited like holiday world and like stuff like that and we yeah had- yeah i've never been any- to holiday world yeah it's pretty, pretty much you know what vacation you should do sometime is you should go down to st minerad indiana we well we went to St. Meinrad because it's close to Holiday World. Yes, <laughs> that's true. But so we drove by like we didn't like get to actually go in and like visit or anything, but we at least like went and drove around because <laughs> the kids were like sleeping in the car. We're like, let's go over to St. Meinrad. We might as well. So yeah. Um, yeah, we just drove around. But yeah. Yeah. Next time you go down to St. Meinrad, I highly recommend actually going to the monastery because it's just very beautiful and the Benedictines are pretty cool yeah okay yeah I need to do that for sure that's on yeah. the list add it to the list yeah so <laughs> speaking of IU what led you to because I know they have a psychology program down there and I've been in the building yeah. but what led you to you started off in Muncie but yeah. then you ended up at Bloomington for your undergrad yes my undergrad so actually so this goes back to <laughs> I've it's got, okay. <laughs> I have 11, so I have 11 siblings. Okay. Wow. And yeah, I know. So it just gets wilder. The story gets deeper. <laughs> so I have 11 siblings and my oldest sister went to IU, actually my oldest, so my oldest sister and then my next oldest sister and the next oldest sister. So like three of my oldest sisters went to IU. Incredible. There's a brother separated there that he did not go to IU, but three of, yeah, my oldest sister. <laughs> and then, so basically I was like in like first second grade and I was like I'm going to IU I just I, I mean again I got to visit I think my sister my oldest sister was like in a sorority I had to see her house I was like oh this is so cool which I I was not in a sorority as a student me neither <laughs> so like at that point I was like yeah, I'm not doing that but anyway so I just knew for a long time I was going to go to IU and I didn't know what I was going to do I thought I was going to be when I was a little kid I thought I was going to be a real like medical doctor mm-hmm. a real, a real doctor <laughs> So I was like, oh, I'm going to be like a heart surgeon. Like I must've had a lot of confidence in myself back then because like, wow, I had high aspirations, but that is not what I ended up doing. I think, but it all kind of circled back to like always knowing that I wanted to do something that was like going to make an impact and that was going to be, was going to help people. Cause I, yeah. cause I was always, I mean, I was always, I'm a caring person. I care about people. I'm empathetic. Yeah. Like I, I want to understand that's like, I seek to understand. So there, there you go. That makes me a scientist right there. <laughs> I just <laughs> want to under understand and help people. And so I thought, so I got, did, you know, so anyway, I knew I was going to go to IU and then did psychology, was in the psychology program, graduated with psychology. Mm-hmm. So and you got to hang out a lot in the building with the big brain. The big brain. Yes, I did. <laughs> I did hang out in there a lot. Yeah. And yeah, I just, I thought too, like, I thought, oh, like I didn't really know much about ABA at that time. And it ABA is for our listeners who are. Yes. Yeah. Applied behavior analysis. Okay. So I didn't know anything about, I mean, I knew like behavioral psychology and we had to take classes on these mm-hmm. things, social psychology, cognitive So we knew it was like a branch of psychology in a way, but I didn't know much about it. And then thought I was just going to do like counseling, like, oh, I'll probably end up you know, being a psychiatrist or a counselor or something like that. But because I really liked neuroscience too. Yeah. This is one of my favorite courses. Just so interesting. I loved it. <laughs> so I was like, anyway, then 
didn't end up that route because I had a friend that was like, Hey, and she was in a special education. So she was in education school. She somehow had a friend of a friend and they were, she was like, I have this job. Like you could do it this summer if you wanted to. And lady named Audra, she does ABA and, Mm -hmm. you know, we work with kids with autism. And I was like, Oh, okay. The autism, you know, I know about autism. You know, I've learned a little bit. I'll, I'll try this out. And I was also like, Ooh, it's, it pays $10 an hour. We love that. It was like, (laughs) like so much money. Um, I was like, yeah, I'll do this. Especially like back, because I don't know when you graduated, obviously before me, but (laughs) I'm sure it was a lot more back then. Yeah, it was. It was, I graduated in 2009 and I started my ABA like journey, I guess in 2008. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The summer of 2008. So before my senior year kind of got into it and I was like, Anyway, was in the thick of it, was doing in-home therapy. So using the science of, of behavior to change and teach kids with autism different skills. So that was pretty cool. But I also didn't really understand what I was doing at that time. I was kind of like, what is this? Where is this going? Like, this seems yeah. like a lot of data. Like, I'm just sitting here having to collect all this data. And what is happening? Like, I didn't... <laughs> I didn't yeah. quite understand what I was doing and that bothered me. So I just assumed I wasn't going to do that. So once again, was this is approaching <laughs> my senior year of college and thinking, I really don't know what I'm going to do. So needless to say, <laughs> I didn't know what I was going to do. And so I hear a lot of my students now are like, oh, I don't know what I want to do. And I'm like, you know, at this or, you know, they're worried about it. I'm just like, well, you know what? I, if you would have told me I was going to be teaching in this program 15 (laughs) years after, you know, whatever in graduation, I would have told you you were crazy. I had no idea that I was going to do this. So um, yeah, it's just like divine providence is what I always attribute to, like just how things have, how God has provided essentially throughout this journey and going from where I was, like had no idea what I, where I was headed. Like I was on the path, but didn't know what I was going to end up. Yeah. And I feel like that's something students need to hear. Cause like whenever I talk with students who are younger than me, they're undergrads and they're like, I don't know exactly what I want to do. And I'm like, that is a okay. You don't have to have your life all figured out when you hit 22. No, no. If you have a little bit of an idea, that's great. Yeah. Totally. And I've been so impressed. Yeah, hear, like listening to other people, my students, a lot of them telling me the things that they know and that they're, they're doing. And I'm like, wow, like you have a, listen, you are leaps and bounds ahead of <laughs> where I was at this time. So really super proud of you guys. You know, I was kind of just like, wow, because I mean, everybody, everybody just has a different story. And it's so interesting how it just unfolds. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know that kind of went away from what you originally asked <laughs> about being in Bloomington and how I got there but that's I mean that's essentially how I got there hey it's you (laughs) you got to be a part of the story 200 plus years of IU's existence (laughs) yes I'm all here for it yes oh my gosh yes I love I love IU yes big big IU fan same Hopefully you'll be watching the basketball game on Saturday versus Purdue. Yes. Yes. I will be watching. I actually went to the the game, the home game, the Purdue game. Yeah. I'm jealous. I know it was like, it was a last minute thing too. I had a friend, we have friends who's, he's actually a a doctor at IU. Cool. Anyway, he gets tickets to the basketball game, but so he was using his tickets for him and one of his kids. And then anyway, long story short, his parents also are season ticket holders and they were in Florida. And then he was like, well, we can't use these tickets 
for all these other reasons like so like last it was like I don't know it was like I don't know 11 a.m or something that he texted and it was like can you guys use these tickets and I'm like yeah if so. you say no to that then you're a fool <laughs> yeah no I know I was like um yeah and I was like and then it was like between me and my husband I was like well, which one of us can go and he because I think he originally thought like he was gonna go I was like well could I go please like <laughs> so of course he was like yeah that's fine well, the he real didn't go to IU, but yeah, still... that's what I was gonna say. Did he go to IU? Because if you yeah. didn't, then I think you have the. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Right? Yeah, no, um, he did not, but he works for IU, so like he loves IU too. But it's not the same as being yeah. a. <laughs> what does he do for IU? He works in rec sports, so for okay. he, his office is actually in the SRSC, like on the nice. pool. So he's aquatics, like assistant assistant director of aquatics. That's cool. That's yeah. always, I spent a lot of time at the SRSC. Yeah. Yeah. Or well, I guess technically I spent a lot of time at the WIC instead of the SRSC, but yeah. they're both kind of similar grounds. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. So he, yeah, does like scheduling and, you know, change lifeguards and does all that stuff. And yeah, yeah, he likes it. We like it here. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So knowing IU as I do, I also know very well the Newman Center there, St. Paul's. Yeah. So while you were at IU, were you involved in any way with St. Paul's? I was. So again, again, this is like another one of those, like, it's a God moment. It's Providence moment. Yeah. <laughs> so my potluck roommate, because I lived in Teeter, Teeter Quad. You lived in Teeter? Me too. Yeah. Teeter Elkin? <laughs> I didn't live in Elkin. I lived in Boysen and Rab. But- okay. <laughs> This is like turning, I love it because it's turning into a conversation about IU and I love it. (laughs) That's exactly what I thought. That might honestly end up being the title. Yes. This is really about (laughs) IU. We're just plugging it for free. It's fine. (laughs) Honestly, IU should uh, should pay us for the (laughs) amount of... uh... The yes. amount of rep that, that we're giving yes. at you right now. <laughs> for sure. For sure. I'll have to look into that. Anyway, um, <laughs> no, the so yeah, the Newman Center. So my my potluck roommate was from Fort Wayne and she was Catholic. And again, just yeah. I don't know how I got to have this room. Like because the floor we were on, I mean, it was I shouldn't say the floor, even like basically the building was it was the outdoor adventure. Oh yeah. 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 I said I wanted, so the reason why I got into, my brother lived in Teeter. I had another brother that also went to IU. So I've had several (laughs) siblings go to IU. Anyway. And he was like, I live in Teeter. He's like, you should live in Teeter. You know, central neighborhood. Just, yeah, you should live there. It's the best. And I was like, okay. Yeah. So he's like, but if you put on your application that you, because back then it was like, literally I had to like check boxes. Like (laughs) I know this is so crazy. Yeah. Um, I did not have to do that. I just went online. Yeah. I don't think, no, none of this is online. So yeah. So I checked that I was interested in outdoor adventure because my Mm -hmm. brother told me if I did that, I would be for sure get into teeter. Like there would be no question. So I'm like, I'm not really outdoor adventure. (laughs) So I guess with that, with that being said, the fact that I had a room me that was pretty similar to me it was Catholic you know from Fort Wayne and like yes she had more outdoor nature experience and that sort of thing but she was definitely we were very we got along really well and that's just kind of odd so again she I think was really influential her and her her boyfriend also was came from high school you know and we love that people they knew people you know that went to St. Paul's so I wouldn't say that I was the most involved I wasn't like a yeah. you know, a leader, I would say. I wouldn't say that, but I would, I mean, I was definitely there. I was very close with one of the priests that were there at the time in particular. He's been gone for a long time. I'm not at St. I think he's actually in New Mexico now, but Father Rich. Because I don't know if, well, only, well, only one of the priests 
that is currently there was there before I was because back then what was St. Paul's run by Dominicans like it is now yeah it was Mm -hmm. these are all Dominican priests then too Yeah. Yeah. Back, I don't remember when exactly, but one of the current priests, Father Patrick, he mm-hmm. was a student brother at some point in the past before mm-hmm. I went to IU. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So I know he's been around longer than me, but yes. I don't remember the exact boundaries of that. He can probably correct me if I'm wrong. I know. And it's so interesting because I feel like, yeah, because I like Father Patrick, I don't know exactly how old he is, but I feel like he's not, he can't be much older than me or he, he might even be the same age. I'm not sure, but I didn't, yeah. but I didn't know him. Like, that's why I'm like, I really don't remember you at all. Like we must have either just missed each other or something. <laughs> because yeah. Cause he's. He's got to be like 30 something. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. He's, maybe he's younger than me. Maybe I just think that he's the same age as me. Yeah. I'm he, like, oh. yeah. So yeah, like he, I don't remember him at all, but, but now, yeah. So we actually go to St. Paul's now, mostly because too, I had gone there as a student and mm-hmm. then, yeah, like the fact that it, it was the closest thing to St. Francis, honestly, like we loved yeah. it and we had such a, I felt like a really good community there. And so that was really, really hard. Like one of the hardest things about leaving Muncie was that we had established like such a nice like yeah community there so then but it's fine you know it's all good and then of course pandemic and it's just like been it's been rough but oh, yeah now yeah so I I was like I went to like they had that time it was like a Cairo it's called Kairos was one of their retreats yeah because uh, they well the year before I got to IU they instead of doing Kairos they start doing the awakening retreats which okay from yeah. what I know we ended up ironically enough getting awakening from Purdue oh okay I did not know that yeah yeah so I guess some of the Hoosier Catholic peeps who are a few years older than me they went on boiler awakening or something like that and they were like wow this is awesome and then they brought it back to IU and we now have Hoosier awakening which I think Hoosier Mm -hmm. awakening whichever number they're on I think it was last weekend yeah I feel like it's sometime yeah yeah, I think so I, I don't know yeah yeah so yeah, so we so that wasn't a thing, but Hoosier Raking was not a thing, but Kairos was. So I went on Kairos. I think that was yeah. Again, it's just like if it wasn't for my my room, uh, and that and we ended up living together again. Like my roommate, we we were good friends. Like she's I still haven't talked to her in a while, but we're still friends. Yeah. She just yeah lives out in Oregon, and she's like <laughs> traveling the world and does all all these crazy things, and it's so cool. But yeah, but if it wasn't for her influence, I don't think I don't who knows what would, who knows what would have happened to me. Yeah. But like, it really did. I mean, she was like, cause I was, you know, I was like, I mean, a lot, like, like a lot of students do, not everybody has such a hard time, but I kind of had a hard time as an undergraduate student. Just, yeah. you know, I came from a small school. My, I graduated from Cowan High School, which is, I don't know if you know where Cowan's at. Um, I do not. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's fine. It's fine. It's really small. It was, it's on the south side of town, kind of out in the country. Mm-hmm. And my graduating class is 36 people. It's a public school, but yeah. I graduated 36 people. And then I went to IU and knew no one except for my brother. <laughs> yeah, so cause, I, well, because I was going to ask since you and Alex are Mokels, if you guys knew each other. No, we didn't. Prior so to- I didn't yeah, no. And he, I think Alex is younger than me too. Dang it, everyone's younger than me. No. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's okay. Yeah, Alex. I didn't know Alex uh, when I was yeah when I was like a, a high school student. Yeah, so, yeah. So I didn't know him then. Um, I'm trying to think of like, I mean, I was yeah, I was. I didn't know him until I came back. Well, yeah, it's like it's a long story. Like, I didn't come back until I came back to Muncie, which like as a, an adult, like I was. I think I was married and pregnant with my first kid when I met Alex. So. <laughs> 
Yeah. So we didn't know each other when I was younger, but uh, but yeah, we're both from the same town. Just, I didn't know a whole lot of, that's, I mean, I really didn't know a lot of people outside of my small community. So then going to IU and having to actually be outgoing and actually meet people was really for me. Yeah. Cause I use like what 40, 45,000, maybe even 50,000 at this point. I've not, it's significantly larger than Ball yes. State is. And I mean, that's in a part that I use been around twice as long. Yes. Yes. And it's, yeah, just a big state school and it's just different. So yeah. So that was, yeah. So if it hadn't been for my roommate's influence and she kind of you know, basically dragging me out, like, okay, we're going to mass, you know, <laughs> we're going, you get up, you know, we're, we got to do, you know we're doing this and she was even and she wasn't really she wasn't pushy she was always very respectful and yeah and those are honestly the best kind of people yeah, she really was. She was so great for me. Just what I needed then to continue, I don't know, to grow in my faith at that time when I had always been like, I was a cradle Catholic. So I, but at the same time, you know, I didn't go to Catholic school and mm-hmm. I had 11 siblings. And I mean, my mom, my dad's not Catholic. So my mom would take us to mass and mm-hmm. we got all of our sacraments, but like how much of a deep understanding of things did I have? And what do I, do I still have? You know, it's like all these things. It's like, it's been developing for a long, long time, but I still feel yeah I still feel like I'm there's like all things that I'm just growing in in faith you know yeah so yeah I wasn't a person that was coming into college and, and participating at things at St. Paul's and the Newman Center like with it all figured out <laughs> by any means yeah so. and we're honestly something I've realized is in our faith life it's also okay that we don't have it all figure out, figured out because it it's a constant adventure of learning new things exploring yeah. the lives of the saints frequenting yeah. the sacraments it's all a grant actually in my my backpack over there I have a journal Mm -hmm. that I was given and it's got a quote from St. Augustine on it and I'm not going to remember the whole thing but it said part of the quote is to seek God is life's greatest adventure yeah totally so it's like yeah like being the journey is the adventure you know or is the yeah yes exactly oh my gosh it's so funny that you quoted St. Augustine because I was actually like I have I was reading or have been kind of reading off and on (laughs) the confessions Ooh. I read that in at IU actually. You did okay, did. yeah. So I haven't I haven't finished it, but I'm like kind of just reading like you know bits and pieces, and then anyway, and then I was just looking up different like quotes in preparation for this podcast. So that's so again another like weird yeah. moment. So I'm like, oh, it's weird because I was just reading about you know, and as it relates to what I do yeah. on the ABA behavior analysis side of things. Anyway, I could we can talk about that. Yeah, yeah, we will <laughs> definitely talk about that. Yeah, yeah. So you spent time at IU and you currently spend time at IU. Yep. But what led you to go from IU to Ball State? Because okay. Ball State obviously is a yeah. different vibe than IU. Totally. Well, and yeah, I mean, again, did not think didn't even know what I was so right graduating IU I didn't know really what I was going to do I just was, I need to I need to get a job I need to work I need to do something so the roundabout story here is that one of my roommates in college her dad had a house in North Carolina <laughs> and I was like hey I'm not living in this house you guys could just pay me rent and you can live here you just need to get a job I'm living in North Carolina yeah. oh okay so I had $100 to my name. <laughs> the it was like stereotypical <laughs> poor broke college student. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. It was so ridiculous. Like looking back, I'm like, wow, just wow. Anyway, definitely by the grace of God, <laughs> all of this come back and work, work out. So I um, 
And that was another, like another one of those, I had a profound moment actually at St. Paul's and I don't even remember who said it, but it's like, I remember their face. I remember being at St. Paul's and they said to me, I, cause I was expressing how I was like, oh gosh, I'm getting, we're going to move to North Carolina. I don't know what I'm going to do. I have like one kind of job lined up, but not really. How's this going to work? What am I doing? Like I had like a freak out moment and this person just looked at me. She's like, she said, God will provide, God will provide. And I mean, that sounds like it was, and it was so, it was a simple thing, but oh my gosh, did he ever? Because legit was had no money, you know, had a car at least. But anyway, I went to North Carolina, lived there for a, a year and tried several jobs because I was like, I don't know what I would do. So I was like, taught, taught preschool. I was a legal assistant for a little while, which that's super weird, but I did that. And then was doing some ABA, like was an ABA therapist. I was implementing programs designed by a behavior analyst. So with um, a few kids with autism, I made some connections there and they were, you know, you should go back to school, get your MBA, just get your MBA. That'll be useful. Just do that. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay. So I'm like looking into the programs there. And then long story short, it was just like, this isn't working out. I'm in North Carolina. I'm working three jobs at a time and mm -hmm. this is just not working. I just have, even though like I like crying as I was moving back home. So I moved back to Muncie like a year after living there for about a year. Yeah. I was just like crying and being like, I don't know why I have to move back. I, but I just knew it was like, I just have to come back. This really isn't working out for me. And although I love it here, I have to go. And then again, still wasn't convinced that I was going to do ABA still. <laughs> this is like, I know we're, but as probably what was I 23 then? Yeah, I think I was 23. And it's like, ah, so I'm like, I'm gonna do it. So came back, didn't have a job, but it was fine. I ended up getting a job like a few months later because I was living at home. And anyway, and got a job at Meridian Health Services, which is in mm -hmm. Muncie, so based in Muncie and was working with people with developmental disabilities and what they call skill building. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So what ended up happening was then I was realizing, so I started working long, a long roundabout way. I started working with kids and then they said, let me go work with kids in schools as a Ooh. like behavior clinician. That was my job title. And I was working with them and then realizing I'm like, what? I'm, I'm pulling out my old ABA stuff. Like I'm doing, I am using the principles of behavior science to work with, to teach these children. So why don't I just, why don't I just do ABA? Like <laughs> coming it's coming back to me where I'm like oh like this is what oh this is what I should be doing so it was just kind of again it kind of just kind of almost like forced its way into my life where I was like didn't see how it applied to anything I didn't understand really what I was doing but then started to realize wait a second this actually helps these kids if I just use what what little knowledge at that time that I had and use it and doing these things with these kids wow like what a difference this is making so why don't I just go back to school for it so yeah so then I got into the ABA program at Ball State mm -hmm. and then because at that time there wasn't like a whole lot of options and plus like I was living in Muncie even though it was online program, even back then, mm -hmm. I was like, uh, you know, I, I'll just, I'll do this um, online program and gain, gain experience King while I'm doing taking classes. So yeah. So that's what got me back to Ball State. Yeah. That's really <laughs> cool. That kind of all yeah. led back to Muncie and I know. And it was, what's also crazy is I met my husband. I was, uh, I moved back from North Carolina again, like I said, sobbing, just upset. <laughs> like, I can't believe I have to do this. Like, it was almost like, why God, you know, like, why do I have right? to go back to Muncie? Like, no. And I was upset about it, but just knew somewhere in my heart that this is what I needed to do. And then it was like, I met my husband a month later. I mean, didn't know he was going to be my husband, but I met him <laughs> a month later. So another like weird event. How did this happen? Right. Like this. And I was also the kind of person that was like, I'm probably never going to get married. <laughs> you know, I was just not, I was just not about that life. 
that time, you know? Yeah, God's just like you thought. Right. Oh my gosh. I know, right? See, this is and it's always and this is like the theme of my my life, basically. <laughs> where I'm just like, I'm trying to do one thing and God's like, listen, I got this. Like quit it. Just get out of the way. Like for real. Cause I got this, you know. And yeah. So yeah. How did you meet your husband? I'm curious now. Yeah, no. So he, so actually we had met, we had actually met before, but we didn't remember really meeting each other because mm-hmm. I was, I think I was like 18 and I was godmother of my nephew. Mm-hmm. Who, okay. So my, my now husband coached football with my brother-in-law. So nice. at the like baptism party or whatever, <laughs> the after party of the, <laughs> the baptism, <laughs> I did meet him. Like, oh, he was like, oh, this is my friend Tucker. You know, he's here. Da, da, da. And I'm like, oh, you know, and just that was, but like that was, so I don't really consider that like a real, a real meeting because we never, like, we didn't really know each other. We just yeah. Like, met, but we crossed paths then. But then when I moved back, my brother-in-law and my sister were just like, you know what? Like you you and Jason have a lot in common. You know, like you both like running and you both are Catholic. Like, you know, what more can you ask for? Right. Like this is it. This is all you need. Right. And yeah. And you're like, he's single, you're single. We well, you guys should, you guys should you know, hang out. Like, so yeah, so that's, we were kind of set up like that. I love a good setup story because they're usually pretty great. Yeah. It, and it, yeah, it was so, it was really cool. It was cool how it worked out. And he had gone to Ball State and been in Muncie for a long time. So yeah, but it was, yeah. And he's a little bit older than me. So, but yeah, so like we never were at the same time in the same circles at the same time, but, but yeah, it's just kind of. Yeah. Now what led you to end up going back to Bloomington for round two? Cause you get your master's at Ball State and yep. you get lots of working experience and yep. then you end up back down in Bloomington. I know. Right. This is another, yeah. Weird. Didn't think that was going to happen again. <laughs> God, God's got some amazing ways here. I just I didn't expect it. Well, so both my husband and I, we both worked for Ball State. Mm-hmm. And so, and then my husband ended up applying for a job at IU. And mm-hmm. I was like, I really, like, I think I'm going to take it. You know, I think that, you know, got offered and he's like, had this discussion. He's like, would you be okay with moving? Like, and I mean, I, as much, I mean, it still was a hard decision. Don't get me wrong, because we yeah. had established essentially, like we had our daycare, we had all three of our kids were born in months, you know, yeah, that was hard. It was hard. And like friends and all those things. So, I mean, and by the time, I mean, this is years after I'd been an undergraduate student. So I didn't, and I have like one person that I know from my undergrad that still lives here. So yeah. Like, we do see each other. Like we went for a walk just the other day. Anyway, but um, like we hang out still. But yeah, it's like I didn't know anybody. So this was a, it was a tough decision for us to, like just for that refrain. But like, it was just, again, just felt like this is probably the right thing to do. And then, yeah, we just made the decision and sold our house. And yeah, it was because, yeah, yeah. Mostly just because my husband's job brought us back. But yeah. Yeah. So you went down to Bloomington and you currently do stuff online for your job? Yeah. So yeah, for Ball State, I'm teaching in the undergraduate ABA program. Mm-hmm. So I teach several different courses. Uh, it's kind of set up differently than I think some of the other programs at Ball State where we have what's called content specialists. So mm-hmm. I teach several courses that I, I don't, but I don't develop all of them. Mm-hmm. Like I'm teaching a course that maybe somebody 
somebody else and another colleague has developed. So because there's so many students, there's a, it's a large program. So the, the graduate program is really, really large. The undergraduate program is decent size as well. Yeah. So that's why it's kind of set up that way. So I have courses that I'm in charge of continuing developing and, you know, staying up on what's going on in the field and all that. And it's, and it's really great because I have a lot of practical experience. Like, and I, I feel like that's something I bring to this role as a, as a professor. So, so as much as I'm not really researching Right now, like it's not really my main role with Ball State. It's more just to teach these courses and get these students ready to go out into the field and be good behavior analysts. And I have a vested interest because I've been there where I don't want people going out to the field doing things that aren't right. <laughs> you know exactly. what I mean? And so I have a very much like it's near and dear to my heart where I'm like, I want to help shape the future of the of behavior analysis. And so it's like great that I have this opportunity. I'm so thankful for Ball State for taking a chance on me. Yeah. <laughs> letting me do this. Yeah. And I like course development. So it's all very good. I enjoy it. I have done some online behavior consulting. Honestly, that did not work out well for me. <laughs> I was like remote, like telehealth kind of stuff. And I, it's just like, well, yeah, I won't get, I won't get into the nitty gritty on that one, but it just wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't so, thing. Sometimes it's just not right. It just wasn't. And so, but funny. So then, so this is not it. <laughs> All things are just so crazy here. Okay. So when we moved back, I had already been contract doing, so I was working for Ball State, but then I was doing contract consulting for Hillcraft ABA. Mm-hmm. In so I wanted to continue to, to practice. Like I still wanted to be a practicing behavioralist. So when we moved back, it was like, I contacted my lady who gave me my first ABA job as an mm-hmm. undergrad, Audra. And I was like, Hey, Audra, do you have any work for me? <laughs> Because she, she now has a clinic. She had opened her own clinic. So she's nice. got it. So I was like, hey, can, I can't work full time, but I mean, I could work a little and I could, I could do this and I can do this. You know, I can help train. I can, yeah, just provide consultation and assistance to some of your younger behavior analysts. And she was like, yeah, I'm fine with that. Let me have you talk to some other people that are now in her company. And so, yeah. And then I got to do that. So I did that up until just last November. I stopped with them because it was just, everything was just too much. I was putting too much on my plate. Yeah, which honestly, something I'm curious about is what exactly does a behavioral analyst do in kind of their typical day to day? Like, what might you expect a behavioral analyst to do? Right. Well, I mean, there's so many things, so many different things a behavior analyst can do. But the vast majority of behavior analysts that are like certified behavior analysts are working with people with disabilities or people with autism in particular. So I don't want to like, you know, say that it's just, it's not, ABA is not just for people with autism. It's for all kinds of, there's organization behavior. There's other types of ways that behavior analysts work, but the way that I worked primarily mm-hmm. was I would worked in clinics. I worked in sometimes in schools too, but mostly the clinic job was the day-to-day is constantly assessing. <laughs> and, you know, if you're, if you say you get like a brand new person in like first time and you're assessing, you know, different, you're asking the family questions, you're wanting to get to know this individual and see why are they doing what they're doing we're trying to figure out always trying to figure out okay when a parent says they can't get their child to eat vegetables or whatever <laughs> my opinion, which is like every parent right <laughs> you know but these are real people really are like there are other real concerns with feeding so like that's just one example of something we might address and we're with behavior analysis where we'll say okay what is going on around this behavior so is it like what's happening right before what's happening right after so mostly 
just we're looking at observable, measurable behaviors and developing interventions based on the individual, their individual preferences, their individual interests and things like that. And also their their culture, their context. So those types of things like trying to manipulate the environment so that the person is more likely to be successful. Yeah. So I I was like, I know I could go into like a lot more (laughs) details. I'm like, oh. But that's that's kind of skimming the surface. So just always kind of like developing a hypothesis. Like, hey, we think this is why this behavior is occurring. Let's develop this intervention now to address this behavior. And then we're going to take data on it to see how it's working. And then we make our changes based on our data. So yeah, it's almost like the scientific method. Yeah. But like applied to the human person. Yes, it absolutely. Yes. It absolutely is. Yeah. So then kind of, it has been interesting because I do, I feel like I'm a different person when I'm <laughs> wearing my behavior analyst hat and even sometimes a different, I'll go in and help other people's like families and their most, I really like working early intervention. I really, I mean, I, I'm like, who doesn't, but there's some people that don't. I really love like preschool early intervention stuff. It's so fun for me. And yeah. So just, I feel like, you know, people are like, you know, your kids should be perfect little angels because you're a behavior analyst. I'm like, that's not, <laughs> I do this at work, <laughs> but it's not always like this at home. Like where I, but it's kind of drives me a little crazy in the back of my mind. Cause I always know, or, Hey, this is probably how I should respond to this. This is probably what's happening and what I should do about it, but I don't always do it. <laughs> kind of highlights yeah. the imperfections we have at human being. The verse from the Bible that's coming to my head is the one where it's like, you notice the speck in someone else's eye, but you ignore the log in your own. Yes. Yes, totally. Yeah. So there's a, there's a humility that needs to come along with it too. I think in our field, a lot of people have honestly have kind of given a behavior analysis like a bad name because they come in acting mm-hmm. like they can fix anything. Like, hey, I can change your behavior. I can make you do anything. Oh, and, and they have this like air about them that where it's like, we are, you know, I'm using the, the latest research and behavior analysis. And so, you know, and which is great. I'm like, cool. That's great. <laughs> yeah. to a point, you know, but then you also need to come in with, in with some humility. So again, that kind of, you know, goes back into our ethical codes and like our things that we're trying to like, can't just come in saying you know everything right off the bat. You have to really be willing to listen and observe and let your data be your guide, of course, but also take into account what's going on with this person's life too. Mm -hmm. Thoughts and feelings do affect behavior as much as we don't, as behavior analysts, we don't really talk about it a lot, right? We're just like, yeah, behavior has a function and yeah, you can feel a certain way, but that isn't why you're doing what you're doing. You're not doing this because you're anxious, right? Because that would be in our terms, you know, that'd be too mentalistic, right? We don't, yeah. not the typical behavior analyst isn't going to say you did this because you were anxious. It's like, well, there were, there were um, contextual variables at play here that yeah that made this behavior occur. Not that you just had this feeling and then that's what you did. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's kind of like digging deeper mm-hmm. beyond the surface to see what the root causes yes. of issues are. It kind of reminds me of this book called Be Healed. And in that book, it kind of has this little tree graphic where it talks about here's Mm -hmm. behaviors and ways that you act that manifest themselves. But if you follow the branches back down to the roots, you can see that here's maybe this wound that Mm -hmm. plays a role in you acting that way. Right. It definitely does. So, and I think traditionally behavioralists weren't really digging deeper 
I mean, they, you know what I'm saying? It was more like we call it, you know, an operant, operant behavior. Like every, and yeah. it, it, a lot of, I mean, I still subscribe to this, I'm not saying, but yeah. you know, to this idea, this, but at the same time, I also understand that most people have experienced deep wounds, like deep trauma and these things, your history has an effect on everything you do and how you think and how you feel about yourself and about. So for a lot of the people we work with though, it's somewhat more, it's honestly in a lot, sometimes it's simpler. It is simpler because you're seeing, you just see language. We just see like language deficits where it's like, you can't express what you want in the right, the appropriate way or the socially acceptable <laughs> way. So instead of bashing your fist into a wall to say that you're mad and that you really wanted to watch this show, we kind of teach you a different way to express that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Just stuff like that, where it's honestly that. So these are like, sometimes these are really big behaviors, right? That we're seeing, but the root or that, I didn't say the root, but the the main issue is is relatively simple. Yeah. yeah, it's almost in a sense that you're almost like a translator in a sense where yeah. you take a m- moment, but then you realize perhaps what's trying to be said and give your clients mm-hmm. a way to express that yeah. so that, say, the child's parent can understand mm-hmm. and the child can understand what it's like making that bridge. Right, yes. Yes. Uh huh. Yep. So it's not all. I think that's where a lot of times people have the wrong idea, where they'll just like, for instance, this is the <laughs> just an example of something where you might see in a school where they're like, okay, I I gave this student this worksheet. Everybody in the class is doing the worksheet, but this student is crying and refusing to do it. They just are refusing to do it. So I told them if they don't get it done, they aren't going to get to go to lunch on time. And so to that student, did that some some students that might be like, oh, a light a fire, right? And they, they need to get it done. Yeah. Some students that'll just completely melt them down, right? Where you're just mm-hmm. like, or they don't feel like they have the ability to get it done. And they're like, so now I'm going to miss my lunch. And they just, just causes this whole internal battle. And you can like see it played out in like a kid because they're like crying. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, but some people who aren't really looking deeper, again, will see that and just think, oh, that kid's just, just refusing, or they're, they're being like, they're being obstinate on purpose. Like they're doing this on purpose where they just want to get out of it. They just don't want to do it. That's why they're crying. And it's like, no, like, you set up a situation like this, again, you set up contingencies here that were not appropriate for that student. And now you've just shut them down. And at that point, people worry about, well, but if I just take the work away, then they're just going to do that again. I'm like, no, like this is beyond operant <laughs> right now like as far as like they're doing it because they're trying to get out of it like no that, yeah. at this point they are just completely overwhelmed and you continuing to place this demand and hold it in place and hold it over their heads is not going to yield the result that you want it to yeah so. yeah and I so the year between my undergrad and my graduate school I was actually an assistant preschool teacher and it reminds me so much of all the times where a kid would from our view they wouldn't be behaving they wouldn't be making smart choices right but there were times when we had this little corner where it was kind of all about emotions and sometimes I would sit with the kids and I'm like just ask them questions like how is this making you feel or tell me what's going on and kind of just try to get to the root of yeah absolutely what what is the issue here that we can solve yes exactly yeah and I think that that's actually like the most fun part that 
part of the day-to-day too, is just implementing for a a therapist. So like as a behavior analyst, like I'm kind of overseeing what the therapists are doing. So like we're Mm -hmm. writing, we're saying, Hey, we want to, we want to work on these skills and this is how we want to work on them. We want these interventions This is how we want you to implement. But the most fun part though, is I mean, I would still do it at when I was like providing supervision Mm -hmm. to direct therapists, working with the kids, or uh, I would, I would jump in because just because I'm, I want to make like learning shouldn't be learning should be fun I agree. <laughs> and you can set up the environment and your, what you do and what you have around you and what you use and how you present things matters a ton. That's backed by our science as well. But I think people tend to overlook it. They tend to just be like, well, it says here that I need to say this and do this. So I'm going to implement it to a T exactly the way that says, and it's like, no, like you've got to bring your heart here to the table a little bit yeah. too, like your own flavor. You're, you're a teacher essentially. And a lot of those behavior and like roles as much as we are about the science and it is, I mean, you are implementing evidence-based practices, but it's just like, people think it needs to be so robotic sometimes. Mm-hmm. And you're like, no, actually I want you to bring yourself to this. Don't yeah. just do it because you're trying to make me happy. Bring a bit of what you think is cool to this and what this kid thinks is cool to this and build relationships and trust that way. And then you can, I don't know, teach and have fun. Yeah. yeah I love that thought. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about the more science aspect of your work and the science aspect of your life. And <laughs> one of the other things I want to ask about is what your faith life is like and how you incorporate that in prayer and such in your day. Yeah, for sure. So we obviously, like I said, I'm cradle Catholic and kids. We, I have three boys now that all attend Catholic school here in Bloomington. Um, oh, do so, they go to St. Charles? Yeah, <laughs> they do. Yeah. So, and so that's actually been really great because not that this can't be done and it shouldn't, I mean, we can, we also need to be enforcing these things at home as well. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, it's been good though, because like they do have like some basic knowledge of things. So, like I just look back and think, I didn't even know about this until, I mean, I attended Sunday, you know, the CCD is what it was called. Yeah. My Sunday class, Sunday school classes and got all my sacraments, but they just know so much. And I, and I think that helps are like my husband and I too, where we are more motivated to, hey, well, we need to, we're going to continue to grow in our faith too. And we want to learn and, you know, we want to do all these things. And so, yeah, like to just even to motivate you to be more of a model of what a healthy faith-like and faith-filled marriage is. Yeah. So again, it's not all perfect all the time. There are days where I'm like laying down in bed and like, oh, you know, just like, Lord, here's my time to pray and I'm falling asleep, you know? Um, <laughs> it's it's like that. There are days like that, right? But I do, I, I think it's something that I've struggled with to make time to just sit and just pray or reflect you know, yeah. and read and read the Bible and reflect and read different, you know, spiritual and readings and things like that. So yeah. So I, those are the things I try to do again. Yeah. Is it perfect. No, absolutely not. But it's something that I aspire to and, you know, try to say at least a decade of the rosary, at least, you know, yeah. <laughs> this is super, this is probably weird, um, but I know other people do it. So it's maybe not that weird, but I, I sleep with my rosary. <laughs> Which interesting. Yeah, I know. I sleep with my rosary because I first I have a lot of anxiety myself. And yeah. there was a period of time where I like couldn't sleep. And the only way I would go to sleep is if I just had my rosary and would just start saying my rosary while I was and I know that sounds kind of bad. Like, oh, the rosary put you to sleep. But <laughs> It's almost like you're putting on the mantle of Mary and just like wrapping yourself up in it and just. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. 
Yes. Well, I mean, the fruit of, oh gosh, the glorious mystery of, oh, it's the coronation of Mary. That's Mm -hmm. the fifth glorious mystery. I'm pretty sure the fruit of that one is trust in Mary's intercession. Oh, yes. So, yeah. There you go. I yes, I'm trying. I'm trying. So yeah, it's like I, I still I always have my rosary like kind of in my hand when I sleep. <laughs> and I've even had my kids. So if they have a bad dream or something, and it's it actually like it warms my heart so much. Um, when they have been like, Oh, can I have a rosary? Like they just <laughs> you know, and I'm like, it's the little things, right? It's like right. So and I open it with about that with them, I'm just like, yeah, it's just I had trouble sleeping. So I needed I held on to my rosary and it helped me go to sleep and you know and things like that. So yes, it definitely is integral. Obviously, my faith is integral into my life and how I I mean and really just how I approach I mean, there's how I approach my interactions with people. Cause that's really I mean, is not because I'm I'm not a counselor, but at the same time I a lot of big part of my job is just listening and interpreting how what this person is needing their needs right and trying to meet them and with love and compassion right and and that's kind of I feel like the shift that the field are fortunately the shift our field is making anyway so it's just interesting is there's a lot of people talking about compassionate care and applied behavior analysis and yeah I was like, I'm just kind of laughing on the, in the on the inside well isn't this funny you know <laughs> this is this is what I'm called to do as a Catholic Christian anyway to try to be Christ-like to others and exactly and so it's just funny how we're using it people are saying different words but I know what it is you know what I mean where I'm like yeah it honestly just reminds me so much of when I recorded that podcast with Alex he talked about how like with his work at Rua Woods Mm -hmm. they want to bring the best of psychology with the best of Catholic theology to their patients so that they have an integrated experience Uh, yeah I wish there was more places is like that because I've had multiple right. even for myself thinking gosh how nice it would be to have somebody like yeah from a, a Catholic perspective on some of the things that you counseling for or whatever you know just at different stages in your life or whatever struggles and challenges you may be facing like it'd be nice to have have that and I don't think that opportunity isn't everywhere so that's really cool yeah. that they do that but. yeah either Rua Woods needs to open branches in other states or Alex needs to clue us in on yeah. like-minded people because he seems to know he does people He's like a, that yeah. yes he is a very friendly <laughs> outgoing person so yes I love yeah I, I still like, like my natural tendency is kind of I mean I, of course I love people but at the same time I'm kind of like I'm a little bit more introverted so you need your uh, space I do I do I, I do need my space it's true but I still yeah it's just it's good to oh I have this I don't know this kind of this doesn't really you have a tangent it's I kind of, kind of, not exactly, but I just was, I think we talked about a little bit way back in our conversation about like profound moments. So we were just like, you'll never forget this. Someone says something to you and you'll never forget it. Like, I don't right? know. If that's, but anyway, so when I was deciding to go back to school mm-hmm. and I was obviously having to leave my job at Meridian because I needed supervision under behavior analysts to mm-hmm. pursue certification and all that. So I got to go work somewhere else and I'm going to go work at this clinic in Fishers. So that's what I did. Drove back and forth from Muncie to Fishers for like (laughs) a year. Anyway, before I left, like I was saying goodbye to some of my clients and their families. And I was actually, I was at a school in Anderson and I'll never forget this moment. And the mom had like tears in her eyes and she just said, "Uh, you're definitely doing what what the Lord has called you to do. 
And it was like, like, I'll never forget. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. Like, thank you. Like, what do you even say? It's like, and again, this is a situation where faith wasn't really, I mean, I wasn't talking about directly talking about these things with these families. That wasn't, there is a separation, you know, I'm not actively because unlike Alex's role, we don't really, I can't really bring that directly, (laughs) that conversation directly into my, my work with my clients, but in my families, but this mom just looked at me and she just, and she never said anything like that to me before. And it was just like, Oh, like, thank you. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, you just find that thing that sets your soul on fire. And I, I do, I feel like you feel it. I can't even explain it. It's like when I am working with kids directly and doing fun things it's fun it's oh my gosh it it feels like oh yeah so I agree with her I was like you know what (laughs) I didn't know at that time but it was just again another like way that you know the Holy Spirit spoke through her yeah on that day and just felt like okay I am maybe I am doing the right thing yeah that's really cool and I love how you brought up like just how you maybe can't necessarily directly bring up faith in your work But it made me think of, even with that stipulation, how do you see faith and science interacting with each other and inspiring each other and intersecting with each other in your work? Oh, man, that's such a hard, it's a hard question because... That's why I leave it for last. (laughs) Right? No, it's a great question. It is, it's kind of hard to articulate. Yeah. Yeah. It is hard to articulate because I just feel like it's a part of who I am and what I bring every day. And at the same time, because I mean, I had a conversation a long time ago with someone I used to work with and she was kind of talking about like, she knew I was Catholic and she's like, you know, I've heard someone used to, she's like quoting somebody else, but they were like, she's like, yeah, they used to say that all behavior in us should be atheists. Like they shouldn't, you know? Yeah. It was like, we had this weird conversation. It was, and she wasn't saying that she was, she was just saying like a true behavior analyst can't believe in God because, you know, we believe everything has a reason, right. And there's an explanation and it's not, it's not necessarily God. (laughs) And so that's, which is what I'm like, no, like that's, I don't subscribe. Don't subscribe to that. Yeah. Um, entirely not no like I don't because I mean I do I believe in you know divine the divine providence and like being where how did I get to where I am again that whole thing like this whole story it's like clearly there's greater than me out here that is putting this together like I cannot I could not have done this this is <laughs> so I guess it's like what I just am like the fabric of it all like what is what I'm bringing in my heart every day and what's hopefully shining through me is the love of Christ and the love of the Lord and the grace of God. Because I mean, I don't think I would, I wish wouldn't be the person that I am. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing and care about what I care about if it weren't for, yeah, if it weren't for God. So mm-hmm. yeah, so I, I don't know if that's kind of like, yeah, so it does like, yeah. what's hard is when you have a situation where you, your belief about something like in particular, like I, I don't know, like you might have a certain belief about sexuality or things like that mm-hmm. or about, you know, those types of things. And that those are behaviors, right? These are things that young adults grown, grown ups mostly are struggling with. And there are things that are appropriate or inappropriate. And so how to address those types of things in a way that, I mean, because I'll have my own personal belief on what I think should happen, right? On mm-hmm. certain things, but I can't necessarily, I could, that doesn't trump, that can never trump what is yeah like what's in the what the family believes you know what I'm saying yeah or, that's, that's there are definitely tricky moments where it gets kind of difficult to yeah because you want to present people with the truth but if you don't do that in a loving and charitable way right and you're just going to completely turn people off and then they're going to miss out on care that will actually help them 
Right. Exactly. So yeah, so there's just, and there's, I mean, unfortunately, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of a particular situation, and I was not the person who, who was on the case. Mm-hmm. I, I was my coworker, my another BCBA. I mean, how she handled it. I was just like, I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could have done it. Hey, firmer friends, just a brief heads up. In the following few seconds of this podcast episode, there's a brief mention of something that's not quite suitable for juvenile ears. So if you happen to be listening to this episode while you have children around, feel free to skip ahead about 50 seconds or so just to be safe, just in case you have sensitive ears listening around. And enjoy the rest of the interview. Sorry, I don't know if this is appropriate for you. But they're talking about like, like masturbation and mm. those and it was like, well, we need to just give this person an appropriate outlet and they have to make this choice whether they're going to do this or not. And, da, 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 da. and I'm like, uh, like <laughs> it was, I was real. And I was young. I mean, I was younger than two. I was like brand yeah. new BCBA and I was like this, I wasn't on the case. So I didn't have to figure that out, but I just keep thinking, yeah. I, I just come back to me occasionally thinking about it. I'm like, you know, what would I have done? What would I have promoted? You know what I mean? For this person and yeah it's yeah and to keep them safe and everybody else safe and all those things and it's like yeah there's some challenging things but but again that's where you have to be humble enough to say you know this is out if this is outside of my competency or my wheelhouse this isn't what I typically deal with and maybe I need some guidance from someone else who has more experience yeah you just seek it out and that's what I love about what we do as well because it's like there's plenty of other behavior analysts, behavior scientists out there that are doing research on these types of things and that maybe I don't know as much about. And I can, and you can read, people are usually willing, more than willing to talk with you about these things. So yeah. 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 That's a really uh, great example and really like gets to the heart of the matter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have been talking for over an hour. Do you have any last (laughs) comments or advice or anything for our listeners? Oh my goodness. I was going to, I think I told you earlier, I was going to read this quote from St. Augustine, (laughs) but I just, I don't know. This really spoke to me today. So I just want to share it. I don't know. Yes. Um, Real quick. With some wisdom from St. Augustine. (laughs) Yes. Yes, definitely. All right. So hope has two beautiful daughters. Their names are anger and courage, anger at the way things are encouraged to see that they do not remain as they are. And I feel like, I feel like that's kind of sums up what we do, like what I do as a behavior analyst. I know, right? it all together and I'm just like it's true you know you see these things happening you're like I you know I can't believe this person's treated this way I can't believe this is what's happening and let's have the courage to step out step out in in faith (laughs) um yes and and make a difference so yeah that's a great quote every time I hear stuff from St. Augustine I'm just like wow what a guy (laughs) (laughs) so good so good doctor of the church for a reason yes (laughs) yes yeah. So I think this, I honestly just feel like what we talked about today, just kind of like, I just want it, I do, I want it to be a source of hope because I think, you know, as much as like, it seems like the path should be gilded with gold, it's not. <laughs> and it's yeah. lots of ups and downs and twists and turns. And, but that you can, as long as you know, in your heart, you're trying to stay on the path and stay on the journey and follow Christ and mm-hmm. Okay, it's all going to work out. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you again for taking some time out of your morning to chat with me. I hope that our listeners learn a lot from our conversation. Yes, me too. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, to my listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode and stay tuned for more amazing content. Thanks again for listening to the Shine Bright Like the Firmament podcast. 
Please feel free to like us on social media, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, and give us a review. Always feel free to suggest future guests for this podcast, but most importantly, don't be afraid to be a light to this world.